Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Greg Golkin. He's managing partner of Kitchen Fund, uh, who has brands like Curry Up Now, Sweet Green, Gregory's Coffee, and one of our favorites, EG's. Um, Greg, welcome to the show. Why don't you say hello and give a little bit of backstory? Hey Joseph, good, good to be here. Um, uh, my name is Greg Golkin. I'm the managing partner of Kitchen Fund. Um, we're a growth equity investor in the restaurant space. Um, so long and short is we're vertically specialized investors trying to help growth growth restaurants through uh, through uh, through the various cycles of kind of their evolution. Nice. So Kitchen Fund has, I mean, m- many people have already heard of Kitchen Fund and they know of you as well, um, especially because of that sweet green and the curry up nows of the world. Um, you have some fantastic brands in the portfolio. How have you personally and as a company, how have you identified opportunities that are right for Kitchen Fund? What's that look like? Yeah, so I mean, there uh, it's a it's, it's a tough question. That's what we spend all of our day thinking about. But it, but um, you know, I'll, I'll skip the financial because that's a whole another conversation probably. But um, um, when we look at um, at a concept, I think what we're, we're the, the the main things we're looking for are um, an authenticity. So I think that's something that is really hard to kind of define, but you but you know when you see it. Um, mm-hmm. um, we have enough restaurants in this world. Um, you know, we believe it, the pie continues to get bigger. Um, but you need to have a reason as a, as a brand, um, to, to exist. We don't need another kind of plain, you know, burger concept that can't explain why it's different than the thousands before it. And so, especially if you're trying to grow. Um, so the authenticity and passion behind a, behind a brand is kind of the first and the first thing we look for. Um, and, and it's also the reason why we don't ever get into opening restaurants ourselves. We invest behind entrepreneurs who have a vision and have a, 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 a passion and a DNA that kind of emanates through their, through their, through their company. Um, and so that's, that's first and foremost. And how do we look for that? I think the, the key is customers vote with their wallets. And so you, you can see it pretty early on kind of where the maniacal customer bases are. So, you know, obviously with sweet green, sweet green was not the, was not the first, um, salad business by any stretch of the imagination. There are many, many before it, but you could see through their numbers, through the NPS scores, through the reviews online, that people were viewing sweet green differently. And there was something that was really connecting between the, the, the guest and the, and the brand. Um, you know, same thing. If we look at, you know, we're involved with a brand called by Chloe, they, they, hmm. you know, the lines around the block, um, um, you know, from, from the first store and you say, okay, that there's, there's something different going on here that we really need to focus on. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned NPS. Uh, I mean, is there a lot of value put in that 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 those metrics from your point of view? It, you know, it's um, yeah. I think yes. We I think the answer is yes. We would mm-hmm. like the, the, those metrics to continue to evolve, and I think we're um, I think kind of the analytics around um, 
around brand and kind of customer journey through a through, you know lifetime. You can look at it different ways: customer journey throughout the life with, in association with the brand, or the lifetime value of a customer. I think all of that those data, data analytics are um, really evolving right now. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and MPS is, is kind of, I would say, stage one of understanding an affiliation to a brand. Um, but, but it makes a difference. I mean, I think you can, you can really, um, is it, with something like food, I feel like it's very valuable. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know how, how, you know, it's always funny. We always joke about when, you know, people are trying to get MPS scores for like Microsoft Windows or something or like a, <laughs> something like that. But and I don't know if that's as valuable, but food is something that we all want to talk about. We want to promote to each other and, um, so we, we do find value in that, in that, in that, uh, in that, da- in that data. That's great. Um, what other metrics do you, are you looking at? I mean, do you, do you take, maybe this is a loaded question. Do you put value in, let's say Yelp scores and Yelp reviews and, uh, Google reviews and things like that? Um, I'd say that it's a, um, I think it's a threshold item for us. You can kind of tell, um, if a brand is really, um, you know, kind of, um, um, in that category of of sort of loved, I think mm-hmm. differentiating between um, it, you know the the 80th percentile and the 100th is is very difficult. But I think you can find out if people really don't like a brand <laughs> that shows yeah. up in Yelp scores in your Google reviews. But then the, the, they tend to um, you know they all tend to bunch together after that. Um, um, and you know, often with the Yelp and Google reviews, obviously the the uh, a lot of times you're getting the the most negative feedback, not not the positive. So, you know, I think we look at it. Um, yeah. But I think I think one of the, the the pieces of data that we like the most is, um, and this is more when we're in the kind of the diligence process of a brand is the loyalty. And so, how many times is a customer coming back? Because you know, there's kind of on a marketing side, you get trial. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you look at the customer journey for for any brand, generally speaking, you, it, it looks like this: you've got you've got a customer, and they slowly degrade over time. Like it just, yep. You you've got a hundred customers, and forty never come back, and that's most brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question is, you know, how fast is that slope, and how do you reactivate, and how do you you know kind of keep that slope as 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 um, flat as possible in terms in terms of the guests um, and um, I think that tells us a lot about what customers think about it. Um, and you can find out kind of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of data to explore there. One is just obviously the retention as I mentioned, but then also how, how much are they exploring the menu? Right? Are they mm-hmm. coming back for one item? Are they coming back for five different items? And they, they kind of rotate and you, you can learn a lot about the guests and about the brand experience through, through that data. Yeah. It seems a lot of, uh, leaders in, in the restaurant industry, they, they, they don't realize that seeding guests with new, new flavors, uh, new options, even if they don't come back and buy it is a great way of getting people to pay attention again. Um, totally. like re- reactivation is, is, is critical where, you know, cause it's a very, it's very natural for anybody. We get, we, we get bored. Like you can't, you look at the same 10 menu items, um, and you're going to get bored over time. Um, even if you love that item and, um, reactivation is, is, is kind of a, you know, a key skill of any brand at this point. And, mm-hmm. and then you layer on top, how do you, do you have the technology to do it? Right. Do you, do you have that relationship with your guests? Have you, have you created, you know, and a lot of brands are doing this with, um, you know, using a specific, uh, using a, 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 their, their own app, 
um, mm-hmm. somehow um, um, gaining the email of their guest, um, um, sending push notifications, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, that that communication is key for the reactivation. And, you know, it's going to get better and better over time. And that's where you know, a lot of brands are playing with seasonals and, and LTOs and, and, and pushing you products that they know you're interested in. Right. right. Like Greg, Greg goes and buys a, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a peach burrata salad. Um, w- w- you know, when, when they introduce a, another salad with burrata, they should email me about that. That might reactivate me to, to come back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the technology, I mean, for the most part's there, you just need to dig into it. Um, I think that's one thing that I see. You have a lot of leaders right now in the restaurant industry that are, are uh, almost you know, thirst trapping for, uh, for data, but then they get it. And then they're like, uh, this is, I don't know what to do with this. Totally. Um, yeah, it's I mean, really tough. It's, I mean, there's, it's, it's, you know, I think, I, I think there's two problems. One of which is there's just so much data that if you want to, if you wanted to play with it all, it's just overwhelming. And yeah. two, I think a lot of the technology is still evolving to, um, to make it actionable. Right. Like I think that this kind of a, from a, a software perspective on, you know, it's for SaaS companies, Mm-hmm. That data, you're not just getting raw data anymore. There's a lot of ad tech companies that have built up around the space that kind of explain what to do with the data and make it kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, enable kind of like automated marketing um, that yep, doesn't yep. exist really in the restaurant world yet. Like we're still trying to figure it out because the problem is that there, it's a multi-channel business and that, mm-hmm. that creates a, a creates a um, a challenge right there. So I mean, you, I mean, you've you've, you've seen seen uh, the data from from our friends at EGs is you've got you've got people coming into the store with cash you've got people coming into the store with credit card you've got people ordering ahead you've got people um, delivering it you got people in drive through mm-hmm. and um, to track kind of the guest across all of this is very difficult yeah extremely difficult because the, the type of person that comes through a drive through you know isn't really going to be a, a frequenter of going in the front door you know that's just their it's a completely different behavior for them. Right. Um, but even if they, if they did, I mean, they could, if they went in once every five times, you as, you know, us as, 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 um, as the operator, don't, we don't know that we've just lost a chunk of their behavior. And that's mm-hmm. really important in communicating with your guests to really have it. If you lose 20 or 20 to 40% of their transactions in your data, or you can't tie them together, um, how, you know, how can you communicate effectively? Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the code that has to get cracked in a way that I think is approachable and cost like right now, data crunching and all that interlinking it, it's a big investment, which is probably something that you've seen. So you recently launched, uh, with a few others, tastemaker acquisition, and that's focusing on emerging technologies in the food space. Um, what, what, what was the impetus behind that? Is it exactly what we're talking about or is there other things that you're seeing that, uh, are attracting you through that? Yeah. So, t- so tastemaker acquisition is a, um, it's a, uh, it's a SPAC that we formed with some operators in the, in the space. And, and we're, we're both, we're, we are focused both on kind of the, 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 um, traditional kind of growth restaurant brands, but as well, it gives us an avenue to look at growth, um, restaurant technology. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the I think that the impetus for um, having a vehicle like that it is it's a SPAC. So the idea of it is we're you know going to merge to bring a company into the public market. Um, mm-hmm. so more. So I think the the main difference between Tastemaker and Kitchen Fund is it's significantly bigger. Um, you know, we it's it, these are for companies that have um, you know will be in that kind of you know billion dollar sure. size. Um, um, 
Um, so it's the more mature businesses, but, but yes, I think the, the, the impetus, uh, you know, for us to be focused on the restaurant tech right now is we do think that the maturity of these brands is hitting kind of an inflection point right now. I mean, I think that a lot of the trends we were seeing in 2017, 18, 19 kind of like hit the rocket boosters in 2020 because a lot of this restaurant tech went from kind of a nice to have to a, a, a must have very mm-hmm. quick, right. There were, there was just no way when given the fact that most guests were now interacting with brands through digital channels, you needed to, you know, have your, have your, your infrastructure um, set up correctly. And so a lot of brands that we probably, I mean, a lot of tech companies that we thought were probably three years away from kind of really hitting scale hit it in six months. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we, we saw some pretty big gaps uh, immediately. And it's funny, I, I've mentioned this before, uh, elsewhere and around, I think it was 2018 or 19, I was speaking in Chicago at um, uh, the Fed conference, you know, so food service and equipment magazine and restaurant design and development magazine, that group. Um, and I was speaking about like the future of restaurants. What, what does this look like? And I was hammering home technology and not just the ticking of the box. Oh, I have a digital menu board or, um, I have a new POS system, but like the interconnectivity and the integration of all these different systems that really don't connect very well. Um, some of them connect decently. Like Olo has been really good about connecting with a lot of different, um, providers, but it's still not holistic. It's still not well integrated. Little did I know that the pandemic, like you said, would flip it from a three to five year to, uh, next month need. Um, but a lot of people were caught with their pants absolutely down. Um, it's really hard to recover. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's like, as you said, like there's, there are disparate systems that, you know, are, there's kind of, uh, centers of gravity and then a lot of nodes flying around a lot of, a lot of little planets that need to connect in. And it's hard. I mean, we, you know, we, we use, you know, there, there are businesses that are going to be very big just based on being the integrator. So, you know, yeah. we love a business called Checkmate that like, that takes basically all of the, um, that literally their job in life is, is make sense of all of the delivery platforms with all the POS systems, which is oh, wow. because y- you can't, you can't assume that, you know, Revel or Toast or anybody else has the time to, to build direct integrations with the, you know, very long tail of delivery, catering, um, you know, uh, uh, order ahead, all the platforms that a brand might use. I mean, you see what's going on in the back of restaurants. You can have, you know, five to 10 tablets, each with a delivery platform. <laughs> yeah. um, and that doesn't, that doesn't work from an operational perspective. So there's companies like that, that are just saying, look, our whole reason for being is to take all those 10 tablets and get them all into the POS. So that it makes operations easier. And then, and then you have the, on the other side, you've got businesses like, you know, like wisely that take all of the data that are coming out of these various systems and try to make sense of all the guest guest data for 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 a business, so you can you can kind of track the you know as we we're talking about the customer journey and so forth. But I think those are you know that type of thing is they're going to be big businesses because you just have you have you know if we look at the tech stacks at this point for any business you know you may have fifteen tech providers um, right in, in any restaurant and you know it's 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 a, it's just it's actually like unreasonable to expect those tech companies to build all of the necessary integrations. Um, cause it's just, they would spend their entire dev roadmap, uh, doing that. 
Yeah, it's insane. Um, and I think that's about the right number. I don't know if you're including marketing in that too, but you know, from, from our standpoint uh, as a marketing and branding agency, I think one of the f- points of frustration for us is when um, a company has bought into a system and that system has been positioned as all-encompassing or at least in a lot of ways. So I won't call out a specific POS, but there's a POS system or a couple out there that also do quote-unquote email marketing. And so we dive into this baby and we're like, okay, yeah, technically you can send out an email through this system. You're right. But that's where it ends. You can't segment, you can't uh, target. Well, you can target a little bit with purchase behavior, but we're talking about needing to talk to people kind of pre-purchase or um, how do I put it? Like uh, I want to, I want to know the Barada guy and we don't have that. You know, and so it's really frustrating because, you know, for a client, we're like, yeah, I know that this can do this, but we need more. Technically, it integrates with with Gmail, but that's about as far as it goes. Exactly. And so it's really bumpy. And I've seen that with another system that uh, does um, data gating for on-premise Wi-Fi. So I'm going to sit in my, you know, sweet green. I want to connect. I'm just going to throw in my email address, collects the email address, puts it into a system. Oh, and we can do email marketing too. I dig into that system. I'm like, yes, technically you can send it an email. That is correct. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you know, companies like that should probably just focus on the Wi-Fi part, collect the emails, then hand the emails over to somebody else to do the CRM. You know, I I think that's the, um, um, the, you know, that's the key. And I think we see a lot of well-intentioned startups like constantly trying to build kind of like full stack products, you know, where it's like, okay, we're going to do the order ahead of the delivery and the, and the POS and the inventory management, the labor management, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, then, you know, we'll have all the data. So then we can get into marketing and real estate and all that stuff. Mm. Those products are, are, you know, you'll never, like there's no company in the world that can build a product that big. There's just not enough time and engineering to build that product in a way that is effective, right? right. You, can, you can, you can say you do all those things as, as, as you said, but, but, to, but, but it, that, I mean, unfortunately that's why the, the, the tech stack is built the way it has because you need focused companies who, you know, live and breathe one kind of silo in the, in the product. And then you need integrations to make it effective. But, you know, a POS company is never going to be a good marketing company. And, 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 you know, they don't, they don't love to admit that, but that's, it's always the case. And so whenever we look at a tech startup and they, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, you know, won't, won't use the name of the a POS, but, but, oh, so-and-so is going to do this. And they'll, and it's like, that never, that never happens. Or if they right. try, they're just not as good as, at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in let bakers bake the bread in this case. You know, you can imagine how those conversations go in the in the boardroom or in the the brainstorm room. It's like, well, we have data. We might as well just do emails. Oh, we can develop an email thing. Boom, email. And it's it's really frustrating because marketers and other leaders who are looking at data, it's like this is barely ticking the box of baseline. Um, and I think I, I harp on email because I have a love for it. It's still very effective marketing, and and people still use the word blast. And I hate that word so much. Like I wrote a book called stop blasting my mama with the effort of trying to remove that from the way we talk about email marketing. Um, but we've also seen it in other places. And I think one of the things that is uh, red flagging for me right now, and I'd love to get your uh, thoughts on it is what we're stepping away from cookies. We're stepping away from that trackability, at least what we've known to be the trackability, uh, 
how do you think that's going to affect the ability to be effective and look at data and connect with people in that longer tail lifespan? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it, I think what we're seeing is that it just, it's going to require more buy-in from the guest. I think that's like what, what, and that's why I think apps are, you know, so important and building the direct communication with your guest is you, you need buy-in with your guest to, to, um, you know, essentially be able to track them. Right. And like, you need to have that relationship where they order through you or, um, you know, whether it's delivery order ahead or, you know, um, or, or you, you can see what they're, what they're clicking in your app, et cetera. But the, it, it just, to me, it's, it's, you can't be as sneaky as like, it was a little bit of a wild west of cookies for so long. Yeah. That's slowly ending now, you know, it's ended in Europe. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, now, you know, there's just so much more respect for the privacy and you need to, your guests need to buy into, they're giving you data for what reason. And, and if, if, if you can, if you can present a, um, a value add, um, um, reason for it, then they will. And it's like, you know, I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. Like I love like Starbucks, like hits me up with these drinks now that like I would never think of. And they're things that like are, you know, they're drinks that they've always had. They're just like kind of mixing things together in different ways where they're like, Oh, well, why don't you try, you know, an almond milk with, with honey mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. your cold brew and they call it, you know, they've got a, you know, a new name for it or something, but it's ingredients they've always had, but they know yeah. my ordering history. And I'm like, Ooh, that does sound good. Like, and I, right. never, I would never in a million years have ordered it, but like they've now got me bought in. And now I'm like, I'll take a look at that featured drink thing on their, on their homepage. And I'm fine. If they're tracking my drink orders, I'll give them the data so that they keep feeding me cool stuff like this. Yeah. Cause there's, there's the value exchange, you know, you, you're getting something out of it. That's interesting, intriguing, and it, it makes your day maybe a little bit better than it was before. Uh, so if anyone from Starbucks is listening, hear me out. It's a cappuccino with almond milk and almond flavoring. And we call it the Al Pacino. Why, why is it called the Al Pacino? Al, almond cappuccino. Al Pacino. Yeah, it's great. It's a win. I don't, I don't see any legal issues with it at all either. Okay, there's no problem with that. <laughs> not at all. You're allowed to just name. Yeah. Willy nilly, whatever you want. <laughs> Al Pacino is a uh, public domain at this point. That's right. <laughs> so, um, Al Pacino on a, po- a pasta dish recently, actually. Al Pacino, I think it was, uh, it was on a, I believe it was at a, I don't want to, I don't want to say the restaurant because if I'm wrong, it's going to be weird, but, uh, yeah. but a restaurant in Tribeca has the Al Pacino, which is a pasta on their menu right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, afterwards. I think when things clear up in New York and I'm allowed to get there again, uh, we'll have to try it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I look at, uh, kitchen funds portfolio, um, I see a lot of fast casuals, QSRs, uh, there, you know, the Gregory's coffee is, Technically, a fast casual QSR, but it's the drink space uh, more than anything else. Um, what about full service restaurants? How how do you feel about the future of full service? And you know, I, I see some things that could happen. Like I, I could see casual dining uh, pulling away from full service and going fast casual, uh, a true fast casual, not elevated QSR. Um, but I, I also also can see a reclamation of white glove service as well. Um, what are your thoughts on this, especially considering the effects of the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think 
from a, from a trend perspective, obviously, um, the, um, convenience has been a, um, you know, a focus for, you know, many years now, and there just continues to be more, um, you know, the pie for kind of what was QSR and now adding fast casual and that keeps getting bigger because Mm -hmm. just the American population is driven more by convenience and ordering and delivery and everything. And so that pie gets bigger. You know, I think that full service has gotten, you know, has gotten smaller. However, I think that there are a lot of stories within that or that are important because I think there is, um, you know, we believe in experiential Mm -hmm. and so experiential can mean a lot of things, but Generally speaking, if we look at, um, you know, as when people ask kind of like, what do you look for and what do you think the trends are that will continue? It's like convenience and experiential. Those are the two things that, that matter. And experiential can also be tied with convenience. But, 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 you know, the idea of sitting down for, you know, kind of a mediocre, um, you know, restaurant experience like that, people, people want something really special at this point. And that can be, it can be fun. It can be entertaining. It can be fine dining. And so I think that there's still plenty of room in those markets. And we haven't seen that much, um, you know, kind of innovation, particularly in casual dining. And, you know, we talk about one of of my partners at Tastemaker Acquisition is Andy Forsheimer, who who started Bar Taco in Barcelona, which, which, um, you know, have really focused on kind of the next wave of, of what does, um, you know, kind of full service look like in the future, but there, there, you know, there aren't a lot of those out there in terms of, you know, bigger chains that have, have, have um, kind of been trying to reinvent that, that casual dining experience or full service experience more generally. Um, we think there's plenty of room there. You know, we're involved yeah. in a sushi concept called bamboo sushi up in um, you know, Oregon and Colorado and California. Um, um, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's full service and sushi, but it's, but it feels like a special experience and they, they think about the occasions and why do you go there and, and, you know, how do you, how does it feel comfortable for a, you know, for a, for a date night or for, you know, a, a, you know, I think we, you can, you kind of, it kind of works. We use the term party sushi, um, I think, um, 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 or, um, you know, or a work drink or whatever it may be, but, but giving really elevated experience at a, at a price that works. Um, they also have a, a, a really important sustainability story. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, people, people run to that kind of thing. They flock to stories, um, you know, kind of like we've talked about branding just, just generally and, and is, um, you know, if you can, if you can have a good authenticity, a reason for being, then, you know, people will still go to full service. And, and so, you know, we're, we're buyers there of the, of the right concepts. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I spoke with someone else recently where we were talking about it and it's, you know, the, the service is what people are buying and, and the word good service, it can't be the beginning and the end of that conversation. Um, it has to be tailored service. You know, what, what are you delivering? And I think, uh, his name is Chip Close. He's on another episode. Um, sorry, it was Tom DeFore, not Chip. Chip's a different person. Uh, so Tom and I were talking and it's, Working backwards, I think it was the smartest way I heard him say it, which is how, how do we want the person to leave? Like, how should they feel? Should they feel that I have a buddy now with my server or should they feel doted upon? Um, you know, and I think those are questions that have to be asked, not just from operations, but the collective leadership of marketing operations and, uh, executive leadership, um, to figure that out. And, and we went through that with EGs a bit too. Like, how do we want to say goodbye to the guest? And, you know, we, you landed on take it easy. 
because yep. we thought it was a great way to do it. And but that was a conversation between ops and leadership and and, and us as well. It's it's so interesting, and I think like even just on that goodbye, particularly in full service, is something we've been thinking about. Is like you know what's so awkward about the goodbye in full service is what's the last thing you do? You pay, and like that is a really not an awesome way to say goodbye, right? Like you've had, <laughs> right. had this wonderful experience. Like you've had great food and drinks and, and, and conversation and the service has been fantastic. The last thing you do is you remember like, here's, here's your big, big fat bill. Right. It's something that like, you know, I think will change. I don't know how. Um, and I think we're thinking a lot about how, but like that goodbye is really important. And, um, you don't really love the idea of, of, of the last thing you do to, to be the expensive part. And so, you know, it's just kind of similar to, you know, a lot of other types of in-person events, which is like, it'd be really weird if you bought your concert ticket on the way out of the concert, right? Like if you pay <laughs> right. for concert and then like they charge you on the way out and you're like, huh, this is kind of a, it's kind of an annoying way to, to, to say goodbye. Um, yeah. so I think restaurants really need to like, you know, there's, it's obviously not apples to apples because, you don't you don't know how much you're buying until the end, but I think that we need to think about different service models where you can you can leave the guest feeling kind of like the, the the happiest part when they walk out, not the not the sour uh, bill part. Yeah, maybe we need to uh, get some grandma consultants to tell us how to say goodbye. You know, like stand yeah. in the window and wave, or on the front line and blow I kisses. Think after, I think after the pandemic, everybody's going to be like, we'll just have somebody out there. Once everybody's vaccinated, we can have just hugs on the way out. <laughs> I, I would definitely go to that uh, that, that nice restaurant. Hugs on the way out. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful. Some people who may be emotionally vulnerable could break down into uh, some tears. But hey, that's still good. Out of the service. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're also therapists. Yeah. Um, so while I have you, uh, I think it would be great uh, for some of our listeners to just hear a little tidbit of wisdom from Greg. What's one piece of advice for successfully pitching an unproven concept uh, to a, a venture capitalist or an angel investor? We, we could say that. Um, you know, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about the, about the reason for being, I think that's like one that we really focus on is like kind of what differentiates, um, you know, your concept from, from the countless others that are out there. Um, but I, I think that I think it's an industry that really requires humility too, um, where um, you need to understand that we are in the restaurant business, we're in the service business, and um, acting like it's you know it's you know thinking about it as a technology company that has a you know a TAM or something like that is very you know for those for those of us who stare at the P and Ls all day, like it's kind of like you don't understand the business if you're if you're you're going to try to pitch that way. And so I think understanding, you know, this comes back this, you know, we get into the financials for a long time, but I think it's, it, you know, it's an execution driven business. And so you need to understand kind of the, who your guest is. Um, and I think, I think that, that part, um, you know, I'll stop on that for a second. Cause I think that that may be the best thing I can tell people is understand who your guest is. And I think very few brands know that it's I not think, people with a mouth. It's right. Exactly. And then like, you don't know how many times people will say, you know, it's, it's everybody, right? Like we, we see 20 year olds and we see 60 year olds and we see vegans and non-vegans. And like, that's not a helpful answer because it can't be everybody. I mean, if you look at stats and I think this is, you know, so interesting. If you look at kind of the data behind it, generally speaking, you're going to find out that the, you know, 
uh, I'm just going to make up a number, but like the top 5% of your guests are going to represent 25% of your revenue. And right. you need to understand who that guest is. And you need to explain that to me as a, you know, as an investor, if, if you don't have that level of knowledge, it's going to be everything else. Cause then we talk about what else are we going to look for? We're going to look for the return on invested capital. We're going to look on, you know, the, how many units, how many markets will this fit in all of those things, but it all starts at who is your guest. Um, yeah. and, and very explicitly and, 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 Who's your guest and why do they love you? And if you can if you can nail those two things, then your pitch is going to be very compelling. That's great. Yeah, I mean the way we talk about it and the way we consult with our clients is we we, we talk about the the profile layer, which is the thing that everybody knows. If you've taken a marketing one on one class, you know that there's demographic and yada yada. But we also look for not just who that person is on an income and and uh, maybe objective is the right word layer. But who do they aspire to be or how do they aspire to feel? You know, and so one of the things that we uncovered just using EGs again uh, was, yeah, we have people from all over the spectrum. But our core is young people who want to be a little bit older than they are. And we have people who are entering into parenthood who still want to feel like they, they got it. They, they still want to feel a little bit young. And so those two groups, although different with different realities have a similar overlap. And, and that's how we came up with the, uh, the patron focus of uh, sun chasers, meaning fun. Like they want to have that vibrant moment. It's not just sustenance and uh, you know, and then they want their, they want to bring the kids there too, because it's family friendly. But um I think finding that that's the value is the connectivity of their aspirational, we call it a perceptual layer. How do they want the world to see them? What are their values and optics? And then how does the brand deliver on that? You yeah. know, and you know, yeah. what does Gregory's coffee say about Joseph when he's holding that cup and someone sees it? Um, yeah, yeah. I love that. The, you know, we, I was talking to a, a, a few years ago, I was talking to the, CM, the former CMO of Coca-Cola and he was, he just like in a lunch, just rattled off a bunch of like, you know, here are the, t- here are the 10 things you need. And it was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to pause. I'm going to take out a notebook for this, but the one that, one, one that stuck with me and, you know, always, you know, is exactly what you're talking about, which is the, you want people to feel like their best selves. Like you want to make them feel that way. And each brand can do that in a different way because, you know, Gregory's coffee is like, you know, Gregory's coffee. If you look at a lot of them, their, their collateral is, you know, about the hustle. Like, it's, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our customer is, you know, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of our customers, Midtown Manhattan, and it's about the grind, but it's, but it is, so it's, you want to feel like you're, you're energized, you're healthy, you're ready to like go work. And, um, so there's a lot of that go, go, go branding associated with it. You know, whereas, um, you know, uh, uh you know, uh, we we're involved with a, 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 a great, um, um, Indian health brand called Inde in New York that, um, mm-hmm. you know, they focus a lot on, on the kind of, ancient Indian health principles. And so, you know, that is a very purpose driven. You want to feel good from kind of a, a, a mind body alignment perspective. And so you, you need to have the messaging to understand this is what this food will do for you from a, from a kind of a health perspective and like mm-hmm. that, you know, so I think what you're saying is exactly right, but each brand can, can achieve it in another way. And EG is a perfect one for vibrancy. It's exciting. You want to like, you come out and you feel like, you know, and, and I love the, you know, obviously the, the work that you've done on it is like, it's so vibrant and like, like it's like a day at the beach almost, even though it's in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. But, got the but, sand, but the, the, the sand is there, but, the, <laughs> but, you know, it's like that, that like summer, um, you know, summer all time, you know, any time of year kind of vibe. 
Yeah. And, and um, um, you know, so, so I think you need to, as you said, like you can't be a, you know, if you, if you serve, if you're a donut company, you can't be a health brand. So <laughs> like, you know, what is it about your brand? What, what do customers love about you? They want comfort, they want sweetness, they want, you know, whatever it is, like understand that and then le- lean in heavily to it. And, and um, you know, that's going to help you on all phases of growth because it's not just the marketing, the branding, but it's like the real estate decisions because you need to figure out where your guest is. You need to figure out, you know, how many should you have? How many in a market? How many in a neighborhood? How far are people willing to travel for you? All of those elements are critical when you, to they're all, they're all driven based on who is your guest. Right. Yeah. And I think um, if I, if I may be so bold, I think when you, when you mentioned authenticity early on, when in, in this uh, interview or this discussion, that, that might be what I think you're kind of talking about because it's, it is hard to define, but it's that does this deliver authentically on that level? Yep. You know, is it something that I'm connecting with? Uh, is it something that aligns with their promises? So if they're promising you the world, they need to deliver the world um, or they'll be unhappy. Completely. That authentic. I mean, it's, it's, that's, it, that's exactly right. And I, I mean, I, use this as a, as a interesting thinking piece, but the, whether or not like think, you know, the authenticity, I mean, you see who founds these companies and they're always passion driven people, but you know, there aren't a lot of examples of people founding a second successful restaurant business, Mm. like, um, as it, especially in chain world, maybe on independent restaurants. But, but if you think about the founders of chains, they don't typically go on to do it again in a successful manner. And I think it's, you know, at a certain point that DNA and that passion is, uh, uh, you know, hard to, hard to muster up once you've been so successful. And so, yeah, um, that, that, what it takes attitude. I mean, it's really hard to, to work the every night, all night for yeah. five years to get that baby on its feet. I don't oh, blame them. Okay. <laughs> Probably looking for something easier. Um, well, Greg, this has been great. How, how do, can people get in touch with you? Uh, where can they connect with kitchen fund? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got all our contact information and, and on kitchenfund.com. Um, uh, you know, tastemakeracquisition.com or tastemakerac, um, which is the, uh, the short one, but everybody knows how to Google at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, and definitely, definitely reach out. I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of our, 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 our best ideas are, you know, completely cold relationships. So we're very happy to talk to anybody. And it's a, you know, as you know, it's a, it's a small knit community. So we're here to help if we can just offer some advice to people along the way. not call. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for your time and all your insights. I really appreciate it. All right, my friend. Good to see you. Cheers. Bye. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.